Yes, we're back for another episode of the Eagles Water Cooler. Back at Locust Lane Craft Brewing for another live recording of the Eagles Water Cooler. Mike, how you feeling tonight? Feeling really good, Chris. How about, how about yourself? Feeling good. Got a, got a beer in hands, and we're going to talk about some birds. Lots to talk about tonight. It's been a tough week. Oh, it's been it's it's been uh, it's been, it's been tough. We'll, we'll get it. We'll get into all things Eagles, uh, including what they've done over the last couple weeks, which is really tough to watch. And uh, leading up into the games that they have coming up right before the bye. So let's also give a little shout out to uh, Flamingosis here. That we yeah, absolutely. To. We have to do that again. So this uh, theme song that we've kind of chosen for the podcast is by a friend of Mike's from Franklin and Marshall uh, who calls himself Flamingosis. And uh, we are grateful that we can use his music on the pod and we're hoping we can do something with him in the future to kind of custom something for us. That would be awesome. Absolutely. Um, so getting into some more Eagles content here, uh, I'm going to put it to you, Mike. Right off the bat, give me a word or a phrase to describe specifically your experience the last two weeks in the games against Minnesota and against Dallas uh, where the Eagles lost 38 to 20 and 37 to 10 respectively. Give me a word or phrase that describes that in your mind. It's been disheartening. Disheartening is a really good one. Can you, can you say more about that? It's a really deflated feeling after, after the the start, we expected the Eagles to be one of the better teams in the league this year, and the past two games has been very deflating in terms of the expectations that you carry forward with this team, with Carson Wentz being supposedly returned uh, to his you know, 2017 form. It's been, you know, let me flip the question back to you. What, you know, a word or phrase that could describe the experience the last two games? struggle. It's been a brutal struggle. I think, honestly, um, if one of these two games had been this way, uh, and even if they lost uh, both, just the, the amount of points that the other team was able to put up on our defense, um, the fact that there are road games where, to be honest, especially in the Dallas game, it kind of showed a lack of heart, I thought, lack of effort a little bit uh, from the team, that two games back-to-back on the road where they have still a tough stretch in front of them, they really didn't show very much of what they can do. Uh, I think my biggest issue over the last two weeks is it's kind of made me question, like, what is the Eagles' identity? Uh, they've completely lost sight of it, it seems like, in these last couple games. And I think we'll talk about the game coming up against the Bills this weekend, but that's something I really want to see is what is their, what do the Eagles do well? Yeah. Can you tell me what the Eagles do well, Mike? It's, 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 hard. it's hard to say right now. We saw some good stuff in that Green Bay game, but... Since then, it's been really hard to watch. I mean, Jordan Howard's kind of a bright spot. Seems like they get the run game going every once in a while, but they have no speed since Deshaun Jackson's been out. It's been, like I said, a struggle. Yeah. So I guess I'll turn it to say who of these three people can you give me an order of your blame by priority? Doug, Howie, Carson. Rank those three people in terms of their responsibility for in particular these last two games, but maybe kind of the year over so far. I think Doug takes the number one responsibility spot for the Eagles not performing well. One, they've just been coming out kind of flat during games. Doug 
undeniable. How, I think we all agreed at the beginning of the season that Howie had assembled a roster that was going to compete and going to compete at a high level, and we all had Super Bowl expectations. So for us to reevaluate that that roster now, you know, Ronald Darby's out, Sidney Jones didn't turn out to be what he did. The big flaw. Hold that on, I, hold on one second there, Sidney Jones. We got to talk about that first. Uh, we, we, we will talk about Sidney that's, Jones. That's, but the other big thing that um, that Howie, I. I would put Howie next. The thing that he hasn't delivered on and the thing that the Eagles really haven't been big on for the past decade, um, even though we had Jordan Hicks for a little bit, is they just really undervalue linebacker. And That's a really good you know, point. That, that was a position that, looking at the roster, we didn't have locked up going into this season. We, don't, we didn't have anybody of note to play that position. We brought in a couple nobodies. We've released a couple people. We need to start valuing that position because right now we're having um, Malcolm Jenkins es- es- essentially come in and, and fill in that role. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, Carson. I think Carson has shown a lot of really good things this season. There's, you know, there's a couple balls get catched and two more victories in our, in our arsenal. I don't know what else he could really do. I mean, he's definitely made mistakes. There's times that he's pressing to make a play. But I definitely agree with you in terms of Carson being last. Um, between Doug and Howie, yeah. for me, it's more tough. I think Doug is definitely responsible for the slow starts. I see that as really just being up, up to him to get the team to start fast and set a good game plan. But the Howie part of this, uh, in particular, and I'm going to kind of transition here a little bit, in particular, the fact that he did not, he was not able to land uh, first to Davion Clowney um, from the Texans, who wound up going up to play in Seattle, uh, and secondly, Jalen Ramsey, uh, both of whom could really help the team. So both of those players, I think, uh, and not being acquired when they were available was a big disappointment. And I think both of those positions are ones that the Eagles have really struggled at uh, all year, and they could have used either of those guys. But if you had to choose between those two, Ramsey a corner or Clowney at the end, at this point in the year, knowing what the Eagles' difficulties have been, who would you choose? You got to go, uh, Jordan Ramsey. With the struggles Jaylen that Ramsey. the Eagles have had in the secondary, it's no doubt that he would have had the most impact, been able to help our team. We need we need somebody to come in and be a shutdown corner. Um, it is kind of the way that Jim Schwartz's defense is built. That uh, you know you need to give the defensive line is going to create pressure on the quarterback and disrupt an offense. But if you don't have a secondary that can make the quarterback even hold the ball just a fraction of a second longer, it's not gonna, you're not gonna be able to do that, and that's where they've really struggled. They need to find somebody. They really need to recruit people at a lot of positions, but as, uh, especially um, at cornerback. What do, what do you think? Who would you, between it's, those it's two tough. players, who would, who would you rather have had? It's really tough. I think what it really comes down to right now, what I'm struggling with, is the fact that Clowney's so much older, and a big struggle of the Eagles is that they're an older, injury-prone team. Um, and I think that him even just being a few years older, Jalen Ramsey, I think, is 24 or 25. Um, and I, I think I have to agree with you. When I wrote up uh, the agenda for the podcast, I kind of thought I was going to say Clowney, but I agree with you. I think if you have Ramsey, he shuts down a whole side of the field, makes the quarterback hold onto the ball. The other thing is Jadavian Clowney would probably, as a DN, take snaps away from Brandon Graham and from Derek Barnett, uh, who the Eagles want to see kind of grow and have success. So um, 
moving on to more kind of Howie related stuff, uh, since we're touching on him for a minute, a couple things that have been disappointing. Um, in particular, I think uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, somebody who can't seem to get on the field as a second-round draft pick right. uh, wide receiver when the wide receiver group is really struggling, it's upsetting. Uh, and it makes you wonder why that pick was made, especially you know he's kind of built in the mold of an Alshon Jeffrey. Why would you draft a guy when you have somebody in place? And, and then they extended Alshon on top of it. So he, he doesn't have any prospect to see in the field. Um, Miles Sanders, I think, is a decent running back, much better pass-catching running back. We've seen that. That's been, a, I think, one of the bright spots is that he's been able to catch uh, some deep passes from Carson Wentz uh, so that they could stretch the field a little bit. Well, and there also seems to be just a, a, a really big problem with rhythm in terms of how the offense is operating right now. And that, that really ultimately falls on Doug, I think, because it's not like Carson's not making really good plays, really good throws. He is still doing all those things. But the offense isn't able to establish a rhythm like they like they used to in order to set up the right runs set up the right like where's our screen game we our screen game has gone to you know to the graveyard we don't we, we really don't have it anymore and it's so weird how that has just completely disappeared it was such a staple beginning with really with Brian Westbrook and the way that he played um, and that it was just kind of something that the Eagles leaned on so much and now uh, it doesn't seem like it's something that they're going to at all. I guess the one thing that I'll say is that when you talked about rhythm, it doesn't seem like Doug has a good feel for how to use uh, both Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard in tandem. Uh, and to me right now, Jordan Howard's just playing much better. So have, well, him, the, have him run the ball and let Sanders catch it. The whole idea of running back by committee. I heard uh, Jaws say this on the radio this past week. It, it really, when, it, when you're an opposing defense, you can really scheme well against a team that does running back by committee, knowing who the back is. You know, okay, these plays are associated with them. And you can, you can put the right personnel in on defense. And maybe that's something Doug needs to give up. And, and he was really going heavy on Jordan Howard in the last game. And, you know, maybe that's something that he's going to develop going forward. But... Maybe there's something to that. Well, and in particular, against the Cowboys, there was a play. Uh, it was third and four in the Eagles' um, territory, and Doug opted to run the ball, uh, which is a fine call, I guess, because they were running it well, but he ran it with Sanders, and I didn't understand it at the time. I still don't understand it now. Howard was running the ball better anyway, so it seems like he's really indecisive about who to use and when, um, and in that situation, if Jordan Howard's already shown it to you, why not just put him in and let him make a play? Yep. Um, I agree with that. What are your thoughts on uh, Andre Dillard got a start last week um, in the absence of Jason Peters at left tackle? How did you think he looked in the game last week? He had some really good plays, but he got beat a lot. And uh, Carson was really adjusting his game, knowing what was happening on at the left tackle position and what Dillard was doing. So he really needs to step it up. But, you know, talk, talking about Dillard, Jason Peters, you know, he's an older player and whatnot, and we, we did kind of expect this to happen. Um, we really need Jason Peters to be on the field this year yeah, because Dillard doesn't look like he's, he's, he's complete yet. He's not, he's not ready to come in and fill that position like we would want him to. I would argue the Eagles want the same thing. I think they hoped that Dillard could develop behind Peters and take this year to uh, really – do a lot more watching than playing and, and kind of develop behind 
a guy who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame in Jason Peters, but right. um, it's kind of been a staple of Jason Peters' reputation the last few years is to go out for extended periods of time and need replacement. So, you know, I think it's good for Dillard to get the experience, but it's a lot to ask of him, so the expectations have to be realistic. Um, I'll say when he came in, he looked a little rough to me, yeah. but after that, I thought he, got he, blown up. I thought he kind of leveled out. Um, and I, I didn't really hear his name called very much. So I, I think anybody coming in is going to be nervous and probably make some bad plays. But to me, he looked like a guy that can play. He didn't look like, uh, if you remember Big V a couple years ago against the Redskins, he didn't look like that to me. He had that one sack that he gave up, and right. then he seemed to kind of get it together. So that, that gave me a little bit of hope. Um, but I, I guess I wonder, as far as the receivers are concerned, to me, Alshon Jeffrey does not seem himself. Does he seem healthy to you? Something seems off. Um, I agree with that. I'm not going to lie. A quick question. How much of um, the previous game did you, did you stay in, in tune and to watch? That's a really good question. Um, so I was coming back off of a trip. I was extremely jet-lagged. And um, I would say about midway through the third quarter, I thought, I'm too tired for this. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really, it was just so rough. And I'm, I'm really like a diehard Eagles fan to the point where even if I can tell things are uh, going to hell, that I'll still stick with it. But I, I couldn't do it. I well, just really couldn't do you know, it. The and thing the, whole... that really, the thing that really uh, was the icing on the cake for me was uh, the Eagles basically forfeited the ball at the end of the first half, knowing the Cowboys were going to get the ball to start the third quarter. Cowboys get the ball back, and they, they kick another field goal on us. I don't, think, I don't think Doug was thinking that they were going to do that. I don't we think were... Doug was using his normal standards when he, you know, I know he wants to change things up and take the ball instead of deferring like he normally does, but you're on the road. You're on the road. My feeling is get the ball back in the yeah. second half. Do what you've been doing. Don't start changing things up. I think the team and the offense in particular was a little caught off guard. And, and maybe Doug preset them to it and said, look, we're going to take the ball if we have the chance. Right. But to me, I mean, they, they started to look good. They were driving down the field, and then Dallas Goddard fumbles the ball. And from that moment for me, even though I turned it off, like I said, halfway through the third quarter, from that moment, it yeah. fell off. You could just tell it was going to be a, a struggle of a night. But things aren't always going to start right, and that shouldn't be the reason why that game was just, you know, I don't want to say, as a fan, kind of, it seemed like the team was throwing the talent on it. I think very early on and I mean they fumbled the ball two times back to back. They went down fourteen points within five minutes and fourteen seconds. Yep. That's egregious. So I think I think the team was defeated from that. I also think the fact that um it didn't seem like the offense could really get working. Um, that even though they were kind of driving before that first fumble happened, that they couldn't get back there. They couldn't develop that rhythm you were talking about earlier. It was really frustrating. It was that struggle I talked about earlier. Um, Absolutely. Since Deshaun has been out, also they haven't been able to throw the ball deep. Um, they've tried a couple times to your boy Nelly, and uh, I'm going to touch on Nelly in a second because as the ambassador, um, what, how, what's your role again? You, you live at the embassy of El Nelson Aguilar? I've been running the embassy for You've a little while. The There's a lot of yeah. haters outside you, right now. Honestly, yeah, I, I, they're trying to burn the place down. But I, I think... A how, lot of people saying Nelly should maybe give some of his money back, you know? Um, He's making more than Alshon. I, I, I really thought they might cut him on Monday after the game. Say that again. I really thought they might cut him on Monday after the game. Nelly? Because 
at this point, they're they're not giving them that much if they decided to do that with I mean, his the, salary. The ball that people um, are really uh, riding him for. Carson did overthrow a little bit. He did, um, and like I said, uh, what I said before was I wouldn't have been surprised if he was cut. The Eagles really aren't in a position to give anybody up right now on their offense or otherwise. No. So I, I don't think it would be a good call, but I think the desire to have some kind of drastic change is so strong right now that it wouldn't have surprised me. But going back to Howie, Deshaun as a 30-year-old, 32-year-old, excuse me, deep threat is not enough. And I think even though he showed us what we were all missing after that first game where he went for two touchdowns and over 100 yards. And he hasn't played since. Hasn't played oh, since. Oh, I guess he, he might have started. Uh, like taking the, a snap in the Atlanta game yeah, or something. Right. But not, I mean, not anything extensive. So you have to figure how he had opportunities in this draft to go get a speedy wide receiver who could have played behind Deshaun and could have still been providing us that option. And I think they hope Nelly can be that. But for whatever reason, whether it's just this year, uh, but he just doesn't seem like he's able to. 2017 was really a different Nelly. I think to turn it to Nelson Aguilar, what I want to ask you, Mike, is in 2017, Nelson Aguilar had a great year. He was catching deep balls. He had the most receptions uh, and, I believe, yards for a receiver in the Eagles Super Bowl win over the Patriots. The question that I want to ask you is, is that 2017 year the aberration for Nelson Aguilar, is that the deviation from his norm? Or is this year and that 2016 year when he had to be sit, uh, sat down by Doug Peterson, are those the aberrations? How do, how do you see it? You know, as who's, he who's gets the real big, Nelly? As he gets a bigger body of work, you're kind of wondering, is this guy just, he, he might just not have it. Um, he seems definitely to not have it through, through well, he seems to not have it mentally in some way. I mean, he's clearly a skilled athlete, but there's something about his mentality and the way that he plays where he gets really um, kind of has that like downward spiral almost kind of thing going for him. Yep. And for me, I saw so much good in 2017 that I, I'm really disappointed. He had a hell of a year. Yeah, we finally saw it. We finally saw what he was drafted to do. But the question is, I guess, is that, is that who he is, or is he this guy that we've been seeing recently who makes some flashy plays, but then kind of makes these really frustrating, boneheaded kind of plays, too? Well, he certainly isn't living up to his contract right now. No. That, that's definitely, you know, he the, shouldn't be making over $10 million in one the year. The list of receivers who make less than Nelson Aguilar would, it's, yeah, it's pretty would really stagger you. Yeah, it's, it's some guys who have really been so much more productive than he has in any of the years that he's been here. But, and the Eagles have stuck with him. You know, they kept him this year. They thought he was really going to have a breakout season. And it's still early. You know, I don't think we should be too down on the Eagles because they're three and four. They're not out of it. They're still in it. Our division is clearly not going anywhere. The Cowboys game, aren't running away with it right now. They did just wallop us, but that's one game. It's one game. And for everything that Mike and I are saying about the, the nature of the Eagles season so far, it is just one game. And... They're three and four. They're a game back in the division. And the last part of their schedule is a very winnable part of their schedule. Whereas for the Cowboys, it's not really the case. They, uh, the way the schedulers did it this year, the Eagles' first half is much more difficult. The Cowboys' second half is much more difficult. So you have to hope that they can start winning games and get hot while the uh, Cowboys start to play more difficult uh, teams. But with two games to go before the bye... Uh, one this weekend, a 1 o'clock up in Buffalo, and then uh, next weekend, uh, home against Chicago. Mike and I will be in attendance for that game. We will be. Um, what's, 
is your view of the record at that point? We'll talk about our actual predictions, but what do you think the Eagles' potential record could be at that point? They're three and four now. They have two games before the bye uh, at Buffalo, home against Chicago. What do you think uh, their record will be going into the bye as, as we sit here right now? I think they'll be five and four. I do too. I think they win these next two games. I, I don't have like a lot of rational reasons for that. No. Um, <laughs> there's mostly no logic. It's that if things trend so far down that you have to figure that there's some kind of bounce back um, and that with Super Bowl pedigree and things like that and veterans that they can make it happen. But it's, it's been such a tough stretch that you have to figure some of their people that they're getting back also. Supposedly, Ronald Darby's going to play. Um, that that'll be something that helps them. But uh, if they don't win this game in Buffalo, I think we're going we're gonna to really start to reel a little bit. Um, but it, to be honest, if they're able to go up there and win against a 5-1 and one team and then come home and beat Chicago, who kind of looked like a good team to start the year and has kind of fallen off a little bit, and they're 5-4 and four going into the bye, the conversation is very different. Um, a lot of this that we're going through now will hopefully just be a really bad memory uh, of two really rough games on the road that they had to play. Speaking of which, I just wanted to say I heard this. Um, they're the only NFL team that had to go three consecutive games on the road. You want to know why? Because we won the Super Bowl two years ago? Has nothing, it, it, actually, it actually has nothing to do with that. You know who it has to do with? is Bryce Harper. And the really? reason is because it was believed by the schedulers that the Phillies would make the postseason. Ah. And they did not want there to be an overlap down in the sports complex in South Philadelphia. That's smart. So... I thought in that pre, too. In pre-planning, they thought, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna take them on the road for these uh, games during the MLB playoffs because there's a good chance the Phillies will go to the playoffs, and we all know how that went. So I'm just trying to remember the timeline. Thanks. Bryce, we signed Bryce uh, right before uh, during training camp. Yeah, that was that was way earlier than that. Was yeah. it was it before training camp? Yeah, it was way. No, you. you I'm saying. Yeah, it was during it was during training so camp because then he took like another week to report. It was in April, right? So well, he wasn't. He and wasn't the schedules come out. The Nationals. He was. But he the was schedules also out. come out. Maybe the schedulers knew that he was going to be traded or something. But the schedules come out the weekend before the draft. The NFL schedules, sorry, come out the weekend before the draft. So you have that's to figure that that's right around there. the same time of year in April. But uh, that's interesting scheduling wise that the Eagles had to go three games on the road they're the only team in the league that had to do it and the reason why is Bryce Harper yeah um, man it would have been nice uh, you know watching some Phillies playoff baseball right now yes it would have I mean realistically that. I think for any team in the NFL no matter who they are going on aside from New England maybe going on the road for three straight games um, uh, the law of averages says that you can only win so many there I think if they come out of this one and two it is what it is at this point. We just kind of have to take what it is. But if right. they can come out at least with one win, I think it's they're salvaging something. I'm not sure what, but they're salvaging. Maybe it's just their pride, um, but they're salvaging something. So There's clearly some holes, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is – they've got a lot of pieces together. They're just missing what I would like to call their rhythm. And I, I do think that really does start with Doug and, and his play calling and – and how he utilizes his players um, to run his offense. The defense, the secondary is really missing. The linebacking is it's not there. Our defensive line, I think, is I think is fine. If you had a good secondary and cornerbacks around, it would it would be a much different story. But you know, 
be very interesting to see what both sides of the ball can do going forward. So if the Eagles are able to turn it around, both of us think that they'll wind up 5-4, and four, excuse me, heading into the bye. Absolutely. If that's the case, yeah. And I agree with I really do agree with you. We're not just sitting here saying that. I th- kind of thought that. Or I mean, I don't think we've ever today. gone to an Eagles game and seen them lose. Let's knock on wood. Somebody knock on wood. Uh, but no, Mike's right. In fact, we were there I'm very uh, in the Super Bowl that. season. Mike and I were there for the 61-yard field goal uh, by Jake Elliott, which some argue launched them to the Super Bowl. I mean, it, it um, was. He literally got carried off the field. He did. That's true. That's true. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, Mike, if... What's that? Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. Wow. That's, so that, that goes back for me, but it does. That does ring a bell. So this just in a little history lesson. Um, my dad just said that the last game of the season, the Eagles kicked four field goals to win the game to lose out on the draft pick that would have got them. So they them kind of forfeited their draft position. OJ Simpson. Uh, the juice. Maybe we're better that off. That would have been a very yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, remains to be seen, I guess. Um, the turnaround if it's possible what a butterfly who will that that, who will that be yeah really (laughs) really um if the turnaround is able to happen give me a defensive who who do you think um defense or offense who do you think is going to be like at the core of being responsible for that turnaround who's stepping up is really a big key change for their turnaround in the season because i think they can be five and four but i'm curious who do you think will lead that charge i think on the offensive side of the ball it's going to be Deshaun Jackson. He's, his health and, and his productivity can jumpstart the offense to getting back to a really high level. Um, that's who I'm going to go with on the offensive side of the ball because I think that just really opens up our whole game. And I don't know. Do you have a defensive player in mind? I, I mean, in terms of offense, just to stick there for a second since you're saying Deshaun, um, I think Ertz has been like, Super quiet this year. Uh, I think he's somebody, if he's playing well, I think I go back to um, there was this stat when the Phillies were really crushing it, uh, 08 and 09 and all that, where they would say when Jimmy Rollins gets uh, a hit, the Phillies you know, win X amount more than when he doesn't kind of thing. And I think it's like so goes, in that case, Jimmy Rollins, so go the Phillies. I think so goes um, Zach Ertz, so go the Eagles. Deshaun is, you know, a player returning after so much time. He's a huge benefit to the team. I almost wonder if he might be, I almost wonder if he might be a benefit, even if he's somebody who's not actually able to do everything he's used to doing, that if he's taking attention away from players like Zach Ertz, that he's still having a positive effect on the offense. So whether or not he's able to do everything possible um, because of his injury, I think it's hard to say now. Uh, There was speculation that Deshaun was given a suggestion by a doctor to to have a surgery and that he instead opted to wait it out and to rehab um, and for a guy at his age, um, and at some point I'd love to get my dad's opinion on this who just walked in, um, that for a guy of his age that it might have been better off to just get the surgery, go through it uh, six weeks, I think they said it was going to be, and then kind of nip it in the bud and have it be done with. Um, and right. now when he comes back, we have well, it's to already hope, been six weeks, hasn't it? Right, and we have to hope that the rehab has been enough and that he doesn't re 
injure something um, because so much hinges on him. Like I said, even if he's not catching those 60, 50, 60 yard passes, which I think he still will, that he just being on the field takes so much attention away. Um, as far as defense that you asked me about, though, I think Fletcher Cox is, is a real linchpin. I think if he's, again, if he's playing well, the team is playing well. He's Big not time. played well this year. I know he's coming off an injury, but he needs to start having consistent sack and tackle for loss numbers. Um, you, know, you know, just thinking about it, and maybe this is more wishful thinking, but another, another player who really could spark the defense to having an identity and playing with a chip on their shoulder I love the I love the energy that Jalen Mills brings back brings back to that defense. He, he absolutely brings that, and, and, and he's one of the few good things. He's one of those Dallas. players. Like there are times where he frustrates frustrates the hell out of you, but there's something about him where he might make ten bad plays in a row, and then he just makes a game a game changing play, and he you know he doesn't he doesn't even remember the ten plays where he missed. He just, he has a very short memory and. Yeah, that's kind of what skill. you need because he has the psyche that I wish Sydney Jones. Sydney that's really well said. That's um, really well said. Like a, a short-term memory kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. he really has the, the psychology to, to play that position. You, you, really, you really need that because receivers in this league are they're tough. It's a tough position. And Jalen is super aggressive. The one thing I'll say about him is that he, he's not the fastest guy. He can't jump the highest, none of that. But he, there's a way that he plays that makes him a tough matchup. And yeah. I think part of that is physical and part of it is the skill set that he has. But part of it is just that mental resilience um, that he's not going to let one, blab, one bad play, excuse me, color the rest of the game for him. I mean, he made a really good interception against Dak Prescott. Now, it was at a time in the game on Sunday when it didn't really matter, but it was still a really great play, and he's somebody who I think brings a little bit of juice to the defense, too. You, you know, I'm, you, make, I'm you just, make a good point in Jalen. I'm just looking out into the audience in Lucas Lane here, and I'm, I'm seeing a, a fan wearing a Jason Kelsey jersey. I see that as well. What... <laughs> What kind of where's Jason Kelsey in terms of his the year that he's had? Now he's been on a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, I thought he started the year out great, but he just had his his first child. Yep, a couple um, weeks ago now, a few weeks ago now, right? That could have had an impact on his on his game. It was the game after he had his um, was it a baby girl? Yeah, Wyatt. Wyatt, mm-hmm. um, baby girl Wyatt. The game following. Um, Wyatt's birth, he had that snap that went over Carson's head, and Carson had the wherewithal to, you know, kind of pick it up and throw it at a uh, receiver's feet. Yep. But um, very unlike Jason Kelsey. But I, I, you got players like Jason Kelsey. Doug, get back to the screen game because that's where Jason, you know, and, and running the ball where he can just go down. Get him pulling out in space and knocking people over. I mean, that's where he, when he's really playing well, that's what he's doing. He's yep. pulling, uh, he's knocking people over so that either receivers or running backs can gain more yardage. So I, I think he's somebody who could stand to step up, maybe kind of a low-key person who if he's able to really step his game up that the team could really benefit from it. But absolutely, those are two guys from the Eagles. Let's talk about a, a potential move with the upcoming trade deadline. So the trade deadline is next Tuesday, October the 29th. I believe it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'll tell you before we even get into this conversation that it's my belief that Howie will wait until the last second. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think he makes a move before that? Uh, I think he's very careful, and I, I think he likes to play chicken with um, other GMs. And that's, a, that's a good analogy. 
he he's willing to wait and feels cool about now maybe that was the downside to him ultimately missing out on on Jalen Ramsey I don't know if uh, Jadavion Clowney was actually something that would have been worth it for us to uh, trade what what the Texans wanted there but Ramsey, I think, it would have made sense for us to get him, and I think Howie took a little too much pride in, in the way that he drafts and how much stock he put into They uh, made this. an offer for him of a one and a two. Um, I do not remember what the Rams ultimately wound up giving up for him, but it was a lot more than Howie was willing to. I think it, Howie was maybe a one and a two. might have been something else also, but you know, he felt like the trade was too rich for the Eagles' blood at this point. And I think with their defensive back situation they they absolutely could have used somebody like that it, it only could have done good for their defense but let's talk about this yeah. upcoming trade deadline so is how he gonna make a move is that is he's that- absolutely gonna make a move what i'm gonna ask you is what position you would prioritize so we'll kind of talk about it dual in part first what position of these three would you prioritize wide receiver cornerback or DN we're not even talking players just give me the position that you would really prioritize well I would even throw a, th- a fourth category in there and What's say that? linebacker okay um, but like if I were said, Howie the Eagles are kind of reluctant to do that at that position but I like they to are see it. I think Howie should go after a cornerback if there's one available to to bring into the team that would make the most impact and help boost the team in an area where they're lacking the most okay so well, let's what, start. What about? Let's start. Let's start there. I like what you said there. So, part of the issue the Eagles have kind of faced this year is that they're an aging team. Uh, one of the cornerbacks who's been really linked to them recently, just through rumor, is Chris Harris from the Broncos. Um, I think that he's a great player. Unfortunately, he's like 31. So, if they were to sign him, um, it would probably only be for maybe this year, maybe next year, uh, and would be kind of limited in terms of their future. He's somebody I think is a great player, but where the Eagles are at now, whoever they make a trade for, I hope that it's somebody young and somebody that they can put uh, a little bit more mileage on as the years kind of roll on here. It's not somebody they feel like they um, only have as kind of a one-year rental or something like that. Well, and it also brings up, you know, he's an older player as well, so... Are you willing to trade for somebody who might be towards, you know, the end of their career? The great thing about Ramsey was that, you know, he, he's mid-20s, 26. I think 25, yeah, something like 25, that. 25, 26. Like that. He's a younger so guy. You could have imagined, a, you know, a long contract following his playing here this year. Uh, um, I, I Chris Harris could have an impact, but, you know, after this year, what, what would it really entail? If the situation with Eagles' current run, um, sorry, cornerbacks was that they were injured uh, and that we didn't see the potential, or um, if the situation were different, that trading for someone like Chris Harris, who might only be a one or two year rental, I would be okay with because we would know we have the young guys. They're just kind of coming up in the system. They're not ready to play yet, but let's get this veteran in here so we can win now. They don't really have that. I mean, they have Jalen Mills, who we highlighted. Razul Douglas, to me, is a good player. Respect Razul. But he struggled. And I think, ultimately, the Eagles hoped that 
Sidney Jones would turn into a Jalen Mills type of a player. Um, and it just didn't wind up happening. And so I, if they are going to trade for a corner, the guy I think they should trade for is Xavier Howard. He plays for the Miami Dolphins. I think he's 24. He's a top-flight corner. Um, he's somebody I think could really benefit the team. Howie's got a good history with trading with the Dolphins. He does. And that's important to mention that a lot of times when these trades come up, they're based on his relationships with teams that he's done a lot of deals with. So you bring up a really what, good point there. One of the best trades Howie ever made was, uh, oh man, I'm going to blank on this guy's name. He came from the Legion of Boom. We signed him. Byron Maxwell. Oh my gosh. What a, what a bust Byron Maxwell was. Total bust. <clears throat> and a player that in the, was really in the, made. In the Chip Kelly era too. And uh, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, stepped in, asserted his dominance in like weak Week 16 fired Chip Kelly with one game left in the season. Howie resumed the, you know, the mantle right, up, right after the season ended, and the, one of the first moves he did was send Byron Maxwell to the Dolphins, and we couldn't have been happier about that. Yeah, and I think realistically, you, you bring up a really good point there, and I think there is potential for, in some of these situations, for there to be, in, in all the trades, for there to be a coupling of maybe a couple players from one team um, that the Eagles do have a good relationship with. So I think my vote, if it is corner, is Xavier Howard. Um, you, you asked me about the position, and I know I created the question. It's, yeah. a, it's a really tough one. I'm it actually, is. not even just for the sake of being different from what you said, I'm actually going to say that my feeling is they would need either a wide receiver or a D-end, and I'm going to actually put wide receiver in front of D-end, and in particular a speed receiver. Well, see, here's why wide receiver is it, – it, it's a tough one. And, yes, wide receiver is, is a need if Deshaun Jackson comes back and is not able to play the remainder of the season. But we haven't been able to see – and it, it, it's very unfortunate. This is the second year in a row – um, last year, we signed a speed receiver from Baltimore who I don't think he – did he even play a single down? A Prior speed, to that, oh, it was – uh, Mike Wallace? We, yeah, Mike Wallace. Yeah, no, Prior, he, uh, the, he was injured su- in game two, I think, of the year or something, so we didn't get much use out of him. The Super Bowl year, we had Torrey Smith, and, you know, he stayed on the field. We were a little frustrated with him, but it, it worked. Mike Wallace. Torrey Smith drew a lot of great downfield penalties. That's yep. the thing I remember. That and the flea flicker. Those are two things I'll remember about Torrey Smith. And Deshaun warrants a lot of respect. So I'm really interested to see if he's able to stay on the field, what it's able to do for the offense, what it's able to do for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and even Alshon. You know, I feel like right now Alshon and Carson have to play their best games in order to connect, which they should be capable of. Um, they're two elite players in this league and they should be doing that and maybe a little bit has to do with Alshon not being 100% right now but definitely seems injured but yes if to your point if the Eagles cannot have Deshaun Jackson stay on the field then a speed receiver is definitely of utmost importance okay so I'm going to kind of cut to the chase a little bit here because we've been talking about this a minute Um, One thing, a fact that I kind of wanted to point out, last year, the Cowboys were three and five. They made a trade. They gave up a first-round pick to the Raiders for Amari Cooper. They went on to win the division. And since 
they are 7-0. and They were eliminated in the playoffs they before were eliminated. the Eagles were. They were, and I agree. Um, that's, that's just objectively true. However, <laughs> at the point in the year when they traded for Amari Cooper, we as Eagles fans and a lot of the rest of the league kind of thought this is too high a price to pay for this guy. And since he's been with the Cowboys, he's been really successful, and the team has been really successful. I think since Amari Cooper's been with the Cowboys, the Eagles have not beat them. If I'm not mistaken, so is that true? I think it is. So, if you think about it, the potential of bringing in a and Amari Cooper is not even considered a typical like speed threat like a Deshaun, but he's somebody who can do that. So, just having that op- option, excuse me, for Dak last year took their team from three and five to winning the division, making the playoffs. Like you said, they were eliminated, but having a player like that makes all the difference. So, the guy I think they should go after, and you might not even know this name because um, I don't think he made any plays against the Eagles when they played his team, but is Robbie Anderson, who's a wide receiver from the Jets, uh, who two weeks ago scored a 92-yard touchdown um, on a bomb from Sam Darnold. He's, he runs a faster 40, Robbie Anderson, than Deshaun Jackson. He runs a four in the four threes. Uh, he's young. He went to Temple, so he's played at the link before. And if it's possible... Uh, and I think Howie would try to do something like this is to couple a wide receiver with a D lineman and the Jets have a D lineman named Leonard Williams that I think would be a good addition uh, to their D line. Joe Douglas is out in, uh, well, in New York with the Jets. So there's a relationship there between him and Howie. So if it were up to me, they would package both Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams, get both of them, um, and I think it's probably going to take some combination of draft picks and a player. So if you were to get a speed receiver who's been shown to be really effective, his average catch is like 30-some-odd yards, and that's all he really does is just run past everybody and catch the ball, and a really high-profile defensive lineman for the Eagles right now, what would you be willing to give up? It's an interesting question because there's a couple other factors in there. Um, Let me ask you this. How much faith do you have, especially after last season, how we made it a a really amazing move under the radar to get Golden Tate onto our team, and Golden Tate was not able to do anything for us. Now, is this Doug's fault, or does this fall on Mike Groh's shoulders? What... So my question is, the, even if we're able to get the players that we think would ultimately help our team, do we have the right coaches in place to implement them? Here's what I'll say is about that. Like this a, is, you know what I mean? Is the I problem totally bigger do. than and the I'm player? Not, I'm not making excuses for any of the coaches because I truly think there will be major changes to the Eagles coaching staff between now and next year. Excuse me. But to me... Golden Tate, when he was traded here, one of the first questions was, what happens to Nelson? Because if Golden Tate's here, he's a slot receiver, he's harder to work in because you already have somebody at that position. The Eagles do not have somebody who can do what Robbie Anderson does, who can run past everybody and catch a 60, 70, 80, 90-yard pass. So if Deshaun comes back, they do have that. But if he comes back and we also have Robbie Anderson, this is a completely different team in terms of what they're able to threaten to a defense. Um, So to me... Basically, Robbie Anderson is a simpler piece to use than Golden Tate. He's much easier to just plug in and say, just run straight forward and catch the ball. That's a good point. So I'll I'll say that. As far as the D-line is concerned, somebody like Leonard Williams, who I believe is actually a D-tackle, would be a huge help to Fletch. And in addition, because Schwartz, when he has the depth, likes to rotate, it will allow him to do more rotation and keep players more fresh. So between the relationship with the Jets – 
the needs at these two positions, I could see both of these guys coming to the team and having a positive impact. But I feel like I need an answer from you. What are you willing to give up for these two guys? So you get a speed receiver who's 25 years old, has played at the link all through his college career, and you get a D lineman who's still pretty young and can make an impact. I'll bulk up uh, right now, hold Leonard Williams is to be sure. But what would you be willing to give up? Play Howie for a second. Right. <clears throat> if I'm Howie, and even as a fan, I'm still judging the team off of what they're what they're what they're putting onto the field. So right now watching the Eagles, it it just looks like objectively. They don't they don't have the they don't have the spunk, they don't have the the edge that looks like this is, you know, they're they're a pretty special team. They could make a run in the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl. Because of that, you might be less inclined to trade away, you know, future draft picks. So if I'm Howie, what I've been watching so far this season gives me less reason to want to, you know, make moves to try to win right now. Um, and maybe, maybe you disagree with that. I don't know if you agree or would disagree with that. It's, I think what's really difficult is that his track record of draft picks has not been particularly strong. Right. Um, Carson Wentz is a great draft pick. Um, Derek Barnett kind of remains to be seen. Um, Jalen Mills was a nice pick for the seventh round. But then you have Sidney Jones. You have Donnell Pumphrey. You have all these players that he picked who have not panned out, aren't with the team, or aren't even in the league anymore. So to me, the draft picks are a question mark. Just like with the whole Jalen Ramsey thing. Jalen Ramsey's a sure thing. There are the, no Jalen Ramsey's in this draft. And the drafting could be maybe a whole podcast in and of itself. Right. No, you're, you know, you're right about that. Just with what we're talking about with, uh, with, with Nelson Aguilar, even with JJ, our Sega Whiteside, maybe he'll develop into something great. But it's hard to tell he, now. He's I still have hope for him. He's definitely not a player who there are other receivers who were drafted after him this past year that are making bigger impacts in games right now with their teams than JJ is. And, you know, maybe there is something that the Eagles are too into. We think this guy will be a steal and develop later as opposed to this is what the guy is now and we should take him. Um, so to that end, with Nelly struggling, with Matt Collins being like a total ghost... Why not play J.J.? Even though he's meant to play the Alshon position, why not play him in another position? They supposedly cross-train all the receivers to play across the field. Why not give him a chance to play? Young players, to me, are eager to play. The Eagles need a shakeup uh, in that way. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is not going to make all the difference, but I say give him a shot. You drafted him in the second round, give him a shot. Neither of those guys, Nelly or Matt Collins, are performing. Give him a shot. See what he can do. Yeah, because, you might be right there. Because we don't know. I mean, that could be a, a score in Howie's book, you know, to say, hey, actually, J.J. turned out to be a pretty good player. He just had a rough, you know, first game and made a big drop in a critical moment. Um, so, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do before the trade deadline. One thing I want to throw out there to you, is that when we traded for Jay Ajayi back in 2017 in our Super Bowl year, none of us as fans thought, you know what we need? A running back. None of us. We had LeGarrette Blunt, we had Corey Clement, we had Wendell Smallwood, we had 
uh, who else? Kenyon Barner. We had four running backs already, and they, out of nowhere, traded for JHI. Now, that year, they had a joint practice during the preseason, I think, with the Dolphins, and yep. supposedly that was the real catalyst for them signing JHI. But to me, it was such a wild card, out of left field type of move that the reason I'm saying this is the trade that Howie might make might be that way, where we think they might go for a speed receiver, they might go for this guy, they might go for that guy, and they do something totally different altogether. So I just want to throw that out there, that the last couple blockbuster trades that the Eagles made were not anything anybody could have predicted. Um, no, that's a, that's a really good point, and um, you've you got you to be careful. You've got to be careful in this situation. I think at this point having some youth is really where it's at. If they're going to make... Can we both agree that if they are going to make a trade, that it should be for young, talented players? So I looked it up. Leonard, Leonard Williams is 25. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I can look up real quick. There were some um, big trades that just went down in the NFL. The just Patri now? The Patriot. Well, no, oh, this past Muhammad week. Sanu? Uh, Emmanuel Sanders got traded. Um, Niners. That was the Niners who acquired him. The Patriots picked up someone. Sanu, Muhammad Sanu. Yep. And they, they actually released, I think, Josh Gordon. They did. Um, Bennett. Michael Bennett. Yeah. And Michael Bennett was with the Eagles last wow. year. Now, Josh Gordon, now, real quick, Josh Gordon, Michael Bennett, both older players. But as far as how we having to give up draft capital, you're not really having to do that with either of these guys because they were just straight up released. So if that's the case, maybe you do go for that. Josh Gordon's a guy who's an unbelievable talent. You know, had issues off the field and that kind of stuff all through his, his career. But he's a really uh, – he's got potential, I think, to be a great player. It would not surprise me to see how he say, I'm not going for anybody that I have to give up too much for. I'd rather just go for these two guys who are just, you know, going to be sitting at home otherwise. Um, but having said that, from a fan perspective, I want to see them get younger. I want to see them bring in – if they're going to bring in somebody and make a trade before the deadline, bring in somebody who's going to grow with the team. Absolutely. Somebody that you can either is already under contract that you can extend and acquire or someone that you feel. And I think Howie has a good track record of when he gets people, he, he, he ultimately finds a way to get them signed if, that, if that's his intention to do so. Yeah, and I think if, if Ramsey were acquired, that would have been the case. I think they would have had to lock him up like the Rams uh, did shortly thereafter. But And there are a lot of things about the salary cap that are just unbeknownst to me, and I tried this offseason to really understand the ins and outs that. of what goes into balancing the salary cap in the NFL. And I, at some point, you might there is a blind trust in, in Howie and for all NFL teams and their fans and what GMs are doing in regards to um, managing the cap, both right now and in the future. And, you know, I, I think Howie has a good track record of it. Um, I, think, I think he and Doug and the team as a whole gets a little bit of a pass right now just because we won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. But Yeah, we're still in that grace period. Um, Is Howie a better a better trader than he is a drafter? A, a, a better... A better trader, a better, a better free agent market kind of guy than he is somebody who's able to identify and draft really great uh, long-term talent? I think so. And at I, least right now. At least right now for his resume. I mean, we haven't... And I think he relies on other people. Like, he, you know, he, 
really had a great partnership with Joe Douglas before, before he left in evaluating talent. And I think that is one of the great things that was in place for the Eagles the first year into the second year that Doug was our coach is that they had such a joint, uh, com- it was making decisions by committee. It yeah, was, it, there was a another, lot of input from many different people. Um, right, having another voice in the room. I, I think you made a point in this podcast that I think is really important for the trade deadline, and that's who does Howie have relationships with already that he's kind of shown a willingness to go back to and strike new deals with. I am, to be honest with you, I'm going to really say I, I think my hope is this Jets deal. Because he has the relationship with Joe Douglas. I did look it up. So Robbie Anderson is 26 years old, a 26-year-old speed threat uh, as a wide receiver. And then Leonard Williams at D-end is 25. So if you were to trade for those two guys, again, I feel like I'm not sure if you did answer it and I just missed it. But what are you willing to give up? Let's say it was that exact scenario. The Jets call. They say, hey, we're willing to give you Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams. What are you going to give me? For two, both players. For both and players. In one, one, one is a speed receiver who's 26, and one is a really uh, high-profile D-end who can get after the quarterback. Maybe second and a third or a third and a fourth. Would you be inclined to just give picks, or would you be inclined to give a player? Very interesting. If it was going to be a player, do you have someone in mind? Razul. I think Razul or Sidney. Somebody in the cornerback room that Joe Douglas knows and thinks he can bring in and mine a little bit. Or maybe maybe somebody like Sidney who needs, um, you know, the phrase that gets thrown around is like a change of scenery. Could. Like, um, like a Markel Fultz situation. Yeah, could be. I mean, it... It's hard to say, but I think the relationship that exists between the GMs is really what's going to determine it, like all trades. Um, but I think in this situation, the Jets seem to have the formula for what the Eagles are lacking, at least for two of the positions. I agree with what you said at the very beginning of this question, which is, what about the call for a linebacker? I just right. think the league has gone to a place where, other than the Cowboys... The Cowboys are deep at linebacker. Other than the Cowboys, though... Give me an example of a linebacker other than the Cowboys and Luke Keekley. Give me an example of a linebacker that's a really elite player. Bobby Wagner from the Seattle Seahawks. Von Miller. Von, Von Miller's more of a D-end. I thought he's middle linebacker. No, he's more of a D-end because he? he matches up against Lane. I mean, he was a leader of the Yeah, so uh, in, in some respects, maybe. But really, the league has devalued linebacker. And not devalued, they but they've, they've kind of created a new pro- profile Excuse me for the linebacker where Mike mentioned earlier about how the Eagles use Malcolm Jenkins as a pseudo-linebacker. Well, and, you know, that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the league becoming more of a passing offense uh, league. I think you know, that's what we're saying, too. You don't, you don't need somebody, just to give an Eagles example, like Jeremiah Trotter, who can, you know, fill a hole and just stuff somebody in their tracks. Um, you need somebody who's quick, agile, able to, um, you know, fall back in protection and prevent passes across the middle of the field. And, and, yeah, maybe that has really changed the position. And, you know, the league is somewhat different from the college game in terms of that and drafting it. But the Eagles need to find some, some, some strong talent there. It's just really interesting, the whole thing with, with linebacker. I, I, I want to ask you something that it, it might – I don't know how much you've paid attention. I just happened to see a highlight at one point um, that 
Jordan Hicks had an interception in the last game. Apparently, he's been playing really, really well for uh, the Cardinals. Did the Eagles give up on Jordan Hicks too early? Well, it was my understanding that Jordan Hicks was going to get paid more than the Eagles wanted to pay him or could afford to pay him. Especially That's true. That's true. They had to make some crucial decisions this offseason. Were the Eagles going to pick up Nelson Aguilar's fifth year in his contract where he's making over $10 million? Did they want to re-sign Jordan Hicks? Um, was it I would take right now. And I mean this, and this is not just a. Oh, Nelson it's a no-brainer. I would in, take Jordan Hicks over Nelson Aguilar in a heartbeat. It's a no-brainer. No looking back on it right now, we should have absolutely signed Jordan I Hicks. I think. I think the issue um, there, and and but I there really was a like scare there up, too because you know he was very injury prone. He was, and I think that the issue that you brought up there is about linebacker, and I like that you're so into the idea of the linebacker position, and that the Eagles have kind of neglected because well, I was just looking at the way their roster was built. They have. They, they have players. They have Malcolm. They've got... Uh, they look for one leader there, it seems like. So when Hicks was that guy and he was playing really well, he was that they, guy. They just signed Brennan Graham. They got Fletcher. They've got Derek Barnett. They've got... Um, so in the Super Bowl Jill year, Mills, though... Uh, a lot of strong players just signed through, I think it was like 2021, 2022. The only position where that wasn't the case is linebacker, and I just was like, "Wow, this is the contracts just scream like we are we don't care about this position." It does. It, we'll it, just it, fill it from year to year. Right. Listen to what they or sorry, watch what they do. Don't listen to what they say. I mean, you're seeing the fact that they don't value the position. So, in the years since Doug Peterson, let's just keep it with that because we're not even going to go back beyond that. In the years since Doug Peterson has been here, Jordan Hicks played the first year, had some injury issues, was injured in the second year when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, and Nigel Bradham kind of took that role. It's my opinion, like I said before, that the Eagles devalue the linebacker to the point that they say, we need one guy who's above the rest. Now, Bradham is that guy. And in the Super Bowl year, Bradham was that guy. But before that, it was Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks at one point had five interceptions in one year as a linebacker. That is so impressive. Yeah. And that was during a year where the Eagles weren't that great otherwise. So to me... They're in a situation now where they could benefit from just somebody being in that position because Bradham, when he's played, haven't, other than the Green Bay game where he made a great interception at the very end, haven't noticed him a whole lot, and he's not really played to his contract. He's somebody who I think the Eagles thought, we don't need Jordan Hicks, we have Nigel Bradham, but it turns out Nigel Bradham is also injury prone. Absolutely. That's my feeling on it. So I, I guess I, I, in terms of going back to wide receivers, uh, just real quick, in terms of the wide receivers the Eagles still have, who do you think is the most likely to score a touchdown first of these three receivers? Nelson Aguilar, Mac Hollins, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I like that. Um, that's, a good, that's a good list. So it's between Nelly, J.J., and Mac. Basically everybody behind Alshon. Oh. You know, I still have to go with my boy, Nelly. I knew you would. I knew um, you would. Because as much as we're ripping on him, man... This, even the 2017 Super Bowl year, man, he he went silent for many games, and he found ways to turn it on in other games. So that doesn't excuse the play that he's doing. He's shown he can't be a consistent player, and that and that's a problem, and and that probably does need to be addressed. But if there's a player who I think is most capable of scoring a touchdown in the NFL in our next game, it's 
got to be Nelly. It's got to be. Nelly. be. Well, I'll say that to answer my own question, I think realistically, just by virtue of opportunity, I think it's probably going to be Nelly. You know, I, I really, though, if I had my way, if, if it could be what I want to see, it'd be JJ. I would want to see him come in and make a play that makes me understand their choice to draft him um, and also kind of instill some hope for what could come in the future because this Alshon thing is rocky. Um, he has clearly had issues interpersonally with Carson Wentz. Uh, how much of the hype you want to believe is up to you, but there's been issues. Uh, and if not outside of play, they've had issues on the field connecting that I think Alshon has the benefit of knowing what it's been like to play with Nick Foles and how much success he had with him. So there's a challenge there. And if that winds up being the case, then JJ's the guy who's meant to back that up. Uh, I, I don't know how else you see what you have in him other than to give him a chance to play. So, you know, my, my thing is it, it'll probably be Nelly who scores, but of those three guys, I, I think more than Nelly on a deep threat, I want to put J.J. in in a red zone situation. Let me see what he can actually do. Hey, man, I want to see J.J. score the ball more than anybody. He had I a think, hell of an opportunity to do think, it to win the game. Uh, he did, and he, and he botched it, but I think, I think that's something that Howie wants to see too. He wants to make sure that he, he got that right, that it wasn't something where he just swung at this guy. And I don't know if, you know, Mike and I watched – during the draft season, we watched highlights of, oh gosh, tons of receivers because we knew that there was a need there. And both of us liked our Sega Whiteside. Both of us thought this guy could really be great in the NFL. And it, it hasn't quite panned out, but part of that is just opportunity. He had a huge opportunity against Detroit. He didn't make the play. It is what it is. It's one play in one game. My thing is, if the other players aren't playing, he's a young guy. He could potentially have some more juice. Let him play. Let him play. I don't see why not. Absolutely, let him play, and hopefully, it, it is one of those things where you know he just he just needs to shake off a little bit of his uh, his rookie dust and and get get into the get into the groove and be able to contribute into this offense. And I mean, I, I really think it all starts with Deshaun Jackson stretching the field, really opening up the game, making it easier for Carson to operate. How else? And, and, and before, and, bef and, and even more so, I think Deshaun opens up how it, it makes it easier for Doug to, to call the game and, and get into the rhythm that I think you want them to see. And if that starts to happen, I think you'll start to see um, peripheral, per currently peripheral players who are, you know, um, outside of Zach Ertz, Alshon, Carson, um, Jordan Howard going to get a core Goddard and and you can make an argument that Goddard has be, become a core player. Yes, uh, I think he's he's had troubles this year that I didn't really know that he but, would have. But, but the Eagles are built, you know, Doug's philosophy is built on the West Coast offense and and that's all about spreading the ball around to as many people as possible and I don't know. Maybe Deshaun is the person who can make that change, which makes it easier for Doug, which makes it easier for Carson, segue. which spreads the ball out to ultimately JJ's. So this is a good segue then. So we talked about identity before. How much of the Eagles' identity is rooted in Deshaun Jackson being a part of their offense? Is it rooted in Deshaun, or is it rooted in the role that Deshaun plays while being on the field? Let's assume for this question that they're part and parcel, that they're, they're one and the same. 
then then it's right now it's it's everything it's kind of undeniable i mean at this point they're a complete that first week aside from the really rough first quarter second half of the second quarter the eagles really looked rough at the beginning but they came back and all of us as fans were like this team once they get rolling is unstoppable um, because they had that threat. And what we talked about earlier is that Deshaun doesn't just threaten the defense himself. He threatens the defense because even if the play isn't meant to go to him and he's a decoy, he can still be somebody who takes the attention of the defense away. So him being on the field, to me, I guess from a Howie perspective, in the years after Deshaun, he's 32, let's be realistic, looking forward, looking down the line, Howie's got to say, if Doug's my coach and Carson's my quarterback, I have to have a guy like Deshaun. Right. And you have to prioritize that. And to me, where they goofed up and you is need that to, yeah. they kind of chose in the draft and in free agency not to back him up with anybody so that they had some depth at that speed spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you have to value that position, especially in the NFL today, just in what it can do for your, your offensive capability. You've got to have a guy that can... You got to have a guy that can stretch the field, stretch the defenders out, create spacing for your your your, your offensive players to get involved. I I guess to me also this idea of his one game resume so far this year has been kind of upsetting, um, and wanting to just see more from him and kind of experience some of that magic that we got in the first game. Ah yes yes indeed. Awesome, see you, man. This is my man Mike. How you doing? How you doing? Can we get nice Mike up live? It's on. Is it on? So we got a. Yeah, I was gonna say we got a question for uh, one of the one of the owners of Locust Lane. Uh, Jason, we all call him Haas, has joined us, and I'm gonna hit him with a question or two here. How are you, Haas? I'm uh, I'm good. Mike, How are I'm you? Good. Good man. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. Uh, all but for the last two weeks. Doing pretty well. All but for the last two weeks with the oh Eagles losing like that. It was yeah. egregious. Can you, I was, can I, you can give I me a word? I was in Minnesota. No. Yes. You wound up going? Oh, yes. my gosh. Um, beautiful stadium. The entire time I was there, I was imagining where the Philly special happened. Oh, yeah. Where Ertz scored the whole nine yards. What and was the we presence were, of Eagles fans there like? Was Buried. I went with Green Legion. Okay. So that, that yeah. whole group. We had well, done that for London, yeah. Yeah, we met up with, with Green Legion when we were there. I actually right went to Penn State, Iowa on Saturday. Oh, nice. And then drove up from there up to uh, Minnesota. The, How far the of a drive is that? Uh, it would be four hours, four and a half hours straight, but we did two hours after Penn State game. Got to a place called Mason City, Iowa. Middle of nowhere. Okay. At 1.30 in the morning. Tumbleweeds blown by. <laughs> but a brand new Hampton Inn. Nice. So it was very nice. Nice. <laughs> and then woke up at 6.30 and drove the next two and a half hours, got there Break around 9. Break it up nine, a little bit, smart. Uh, and then went to the Green Legion tailgate. That's so, a glorious weekend of football. Right yeah. There. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so everything me, went great until the game started. Yeah. So Wait, give me... Uh, let me ask a quick, quick question before that. I heard Vikings fans are very bitter against the Eagles for what they did. I don't, know if, I don't know if it was beating them and then playing the Super Bowl in their city or what it was, but did you feel any of that animosity? I'm sure it was both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> While you were in Minnesota at actually, the game? Actually, no. Okay. But there was a sense that it was going to happen because uh, the guy, Quimby, who runs kind of a lot of the Green Legion stuff, sent an email to everyone who was going and said, for the first time in all the years that I've done these trips, I can't schedule bar tours for Friday and Saturday night because none of the bars in Minneapolis want Eagles fans. 
that's, all the that's chatter. That's awesome, actually. That's a profound statement. <laughs> yes. So all the chatter. And normally, like, he goes to, he goes, he does it in Dallas. He does it in Washington. He does it, you know, our traditional rivals. He does it, like, any other big city. You yep. know, they love, I mean, it, we would bring fans here. I mean, it's a... Sure. It, right. It, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So he said it's never happened before. So, so he sent out an email, like, a preemptive one, like, you know, we have this reputation, you know, like... Don't don't provoke In case anybody. You didn't know. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, but don't provoke anybody. Like it could be a really bad atmosphere. We walked into the tailgate, and there are, are Vikings fans at the Eagles tailgate, singing, dancing, getting pictures taken, like full face paint, whole nine yards. So I'm like, I guess it's not that bad. Oh, you know? interesting. Yeah, and it was it was because there were rumors during the Super Bowl year too that Ubers wouldn't pick. Eagles fans up and that kind yep. of thing too. So yep. I mean, yeah. that's that's really yeah. that's so wild. I think that they were a lot of a lot of bark but no bite. So I think all talk radio the week before they you know all these sure. fans are talking. And the only thing I heard was in the airport on the way back, a woman was talking. I just kind of overheard the conversation about security getting involved or something like that. But that was the only thing I heard the entire time. And I was in a section with three rows worth of Eagles fans. Um, you know, it was great. I mean, just it was awesome. And then just about every section, you saw green all around the stadium. But that stadium is loud. I'm sure. Yeah. And that's you can hear it on TV. Nuts. It yeah. was loud. Oh, so, yeah. So, so give me a word for the, the last two weeks. Mike and I started the podcast by saying, give me a word or a phrase to describe your experience over the last two games versus Minnesota and versus Dallas. Just give me a word or a phrase that describes for you. You can take a second if you need it. I mean, it's it's so it's just it's just disappointing. It's bitterly disappointing, you know. When you start off the season with the expectations that we have, and to come out and play in two epic games on the road, on the road as poorly as they played, that was that was ju- it's just disappointing. And it's and you can set a sense. I mean, if you just listen to sports talk today. The Phillies hired Girardi, and that's all that anybody want to talk about. And the Sixers, the Sixers season, played their first game. And last the Sixers right. start the season and look incredible. Oh my God, Ben Simmons looks so good. <laughs> yeah, and then, and I, I was listening. I was listening to uh, to the fanatic, and they started a promo, and they had um, the uh, Eagles fight song at the end of the promo, and Gargano is like, no, no. I don't even want to hear it. He's like, Tunis, play the song, you know? And they just switched to the song. Sixers song, yeah. Because yeah. they just say he's like, doesn't want it to hear Eagles. And I'm like, we're, we're eight weeks into the season, okay. so, and we're already So there. thank you. So that's a really good segue, because that's something Mike and I have really wanted to hit on tonight. We're both frustrated. We're both in the same place that way. But both of us recognize we're so early on in the year. There's so much football left to be played. Trade deadline hasn't even hit yet. So I appreciate bitterly disappointing, because I think that's a really good phrase. But I wanted to ask, we had talked about potential... Uh, is this a photo op here? Quick pick. <laughs> <laughs> we had talked about potential trades, and I wanted to ask you. So we, hashtag we went through a few. Locust Lane. Hashtag Locust Lane CB. Hashtag, like hashtag Yeah. Right on. Hashtag Locust Lane. Hashtag Locust Lane CB. Excellent. Hashtag <laughs> Go Birds. Yeah, go, hashtag Go Birds. <laughs> hashtag Be Better, Doug. Um, so we went through a, a list here of different free agents. I'm going to give you a package of players and ask you what you would be willing to give up. So, like, I'm Joe Douglas on the phone, and I say, hey, Howie, um, I'm willing to trade Robbie Anderson, 26-year-old speed threat, and Leonard Williams, uh, t- what did I say, 25, I think, 25-year-old DNs, kind of a high-profile player. What are you willing to give me? Oh, my God. 
So there's a relationship with the Jets. Part of what we talked about yeah, tonight yeah, yeah. was the fact that Howie tends to lean on these relationships where he's already explored, you know, trades before with the Dolphins, with, uh, you know, a variety of teams. But what are your thoughts on this potential? So Robbie, you would get Robbie Anderson and Leonard Williams. What are you willing to give up for it? So I think, I mean, for, for the receiver, I mean, I'm giving up Alshon. Right, I mean, just straight up, like, boom, boom. You know, like I, I think they could use a big receiver buy, possession. Like, buy Alshon. Yeah, yeah, say a hashtag, buy Alshon. Like, there you go. <laughs> um, in addition, but, the, the, so the defensive end thing, I'm kind of, or, or he's a tackle, though, right? He, he, he's listed as a DN, but the Jets have a similar... Um, a similar scheme to the Eagles where you know the Eagles push a Brandon to the inside they yeah, do the yeah. same thing with oh, Leonard Williams do. so he's, he's listed as a DN but he does play at the D tackle spot a lot yeah um. <laughs> so, sorry <laughs> we got the uh, the Redskins Vikings yeah, game in the background and people are yeah, commenting exactly. on uh, what they should Good and shouldn't Lord. be doing but. yeah no I mean I'm giving a package of picks then after that you know I'm okay so Alshon is the, as your play because that was part of what we were talking about too is just picks going to do it or is it going to be picks in no a it's got to be a play I think it's got to be a play so you give up Alshon and you give up which is also a statement to the team though too because Absolutely. of all the stuff and you know I mean sure you know what it, we need a team we, they need to be together and plan and if that as, even if it's not 100% true, there's enough of it there and not a denial and not, you know, that, that there's, there's fire where there's smoke. So. Yeah, the whole Nick Foles thing really made this out something complicated. <laughs> you know, the yes. fact that he played so well with Foles, I think, and he made probably one of the best catches I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. Well, that was um, incredible. But he was having a outstanding year, anyway. year before, before, and with before Carson. Carson went down. So. Exactly, yeah. So That's a tough Alshon one. in, what, a, a, a second? That's almost a hot take, trading Alshon straight up. Well, no, he's not saying straight up. He's saying Alshon no, and a pick, right? Yeah, and, and picks. So what, what the package other guy, of picks yeah. do you think is reasonable? Now, given the fact that Howie has missed and these two guys have already been proven, it's kind of like we were talking about Ramsey earlier. You know he's a sure thing. What's the difference between a question mark and a draft pick and a sure thing in a player that you think has a resume already like these two? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that I'm giving up Alshon, I don't need to go one, you know, so no it's... Way. Two and four, or two, some combination, like a conditional of, or something. Yeah, conditional, like that. something like that. You know, <clears> okay. but it's but you're getting, you know, argu ar arguably our best receiver and a package of picks, and we're getting known quantities in in, in areas of need that we have with a familiar GM who was just here last yes, year. Exactly. Um, so I think the last thing I'd really like to tap Haas for is well, really two things, but the first is. Um, Mike and I talked a little bit about Miles Sanders earlier. Can you give us a perspective as people who don't watch as many Penn State games, what you saw in Miles Sanders that has translated to the NFL game? So I think number one is just the, the, the ruggedness that he has. I think what, what's lacking, though, and I don't think – it's Penn State. I didn't really see it as much, but I think he's a little overwhelmed yeah. right now because there are definitely holes that are there that obviously we can see on TV. Third and, and fourth. <laughs> but he's just not hitting, which he did at Penn State. And when he did, he hit them hard. But the, the other part that's hard is that he came right after Saquon. So yeah. we had just watched like a transformative player. Generational talent. Yeah, exactly. And then he was good, but not 
his, so we're always comparing him to Saquon. Right. So it's hard to put him in his own little box and right. say and he winds like, up in the same division. Oh my god! Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think the potential there is huge. I love the wheel routes. I love like. Did he you did see that, that at Penn State? No, he's been an incredible receiver. Yeah. Yeah, he did not do that as much, and and using him in that in that capacity is outstanding. So I think that that's phenomenal. So he's got potential for growth in terms of his run game, but in terms of the pass game, it's like a pleasant surprise. He's, oh yeah, that's and, great. And the other thing is, and I don't know if you guys, either of you guys, watch these, but um. Brian Baldinger does these things called Baldy Breakdowns on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, he did a breakdown of Miles Sanders doing a blitz pickup on a corner blitz. Miles Sanders truck stick this guy. Who came yeah, in. I remember he really I saw that. for a young guy like this, and apparently not a guy who put a ton on tape as far as his pass protection. I got to I got to check so, that out. Yeah, so he he absolutely lays this guy out. And Paul Digger says something like, "You don't try that blitz again," <laughs> you know, in his like deep voice. Um, but that those are two parts of his game that we didn't see. But the running part, when I watched the highlights, and highlights are what they are, I saw potential in his running game. I saw some shady ass kind of thing. So I hope that can come. I think it will. I think it's just. I think it's him getting comfortable and and still coming out of Saquon's shadow. I mean, as much as he said, "I'm a different guy. I'm my own guy," he still has his own mind. And going in the same division didn't help. I mean, they haven't played sure. the Giants yet, and obviously Saquon was hurt a little bit, but he knows that he's being compared to him. So I think he put a lot on his shoulders, and he's just not, he just haven't, doesn't have an instinctual running game that Feel. he had and at I, Penn State. And, yeah. and maybe it's to like a fault of um, the Eagles coaching staff, especially Doug Peterson, but the Eagles clearly think really highly of Miles Sanders, yeah, no and doubt. they've been utilizing him maybe at times Third more than. <laughs> More than they should have this year when you had somebody like Jordan Howard who really could have been, you know, taking the, the, the grunt of the load. And, uh, but it's a testament to Miles, um, you know, development and the ceiling that he has in front of him, I, you know. I agree, I agree, and I feel like, and you brought it up to the coaching, and I don't know how much you've talked about about Peterson and kind of the lack of... I, I, of I'd like to ask you about that. You know, the combination of Peterson, I guess, and Deuce who work out the rotation, do you feel like because what Miles has shown them is not really what they expected, that they don't really know how to quite use him and Howard in, like, a tandem? Well, and my question is, what happened in the OTAs and in training camp and all that, like... They didn't see that Howard would be your great, you know, first and second down back, and that Sanders is your like first why? few games of the year. They seem reluctant to use Howard. To well, me. and why? The big, like, the big thing happened? I was like, I was saying to Chris earlier, and the problem that I heard Jaws voice this recently was that there's a there's a major flaw to doing running back by committee, and it's that opposing defenses can associate certain plays with these running backs when they come into the game, and they can have better people on their defense be in position to make plays. It makes it a little more obvious what makes the sense. offense is going to do, and I think that was, a, that was a good call, and yeah, I think the Eagles should, should just, you know, work one running back, and if they want to, you know, have Miles Sanders be there pick up 30% of the plays or whatnot while Jordan Howard's sitting on, you know, do that. But don't do the whole committee thing. I, I would like to see that go away. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, but it's, I don't know, I feel like Doug hasn't really hit a lot of any of the right buttons at all this year. It seems like everything Other than Green trying. Bay, and, and in yeah. that, it was Howard that he really hit the buttons on, to me. Right. Uh, especially with that, um, the... We were out to the left there where the whole defense is going the opposite direction. I mean, it was like, there you go. That's the Eagles I know right there. You know, it was like we you saw it in front of you. Yeah. It, it seems like they don't quite have a feel for it. And I think part of it is that Sanders has shown them things in the past game. Um, but in that situation, I don't know if Doug's thinking what you just said, that, hey, the defense is expecting Howard to run here on three and four, so I'm going to run – or third and four, sorry, so I'm going to run Sanders. 
to me, just run the guy you know has had success and in the game has already had success. And, so. and, and that's the other thing. You look at Kansas City. You look at especially the Patriots. Oh you, look gosh. At, you look at those teams. They don't care what the other team. They're running their offense. Yeah. And for Doug to be, oh, well, maybe they're thinking this and maybe they're thinking that and maybe. No good. No, it's no good. They, that's they like, don't have that's an like identity. accepting the ball instead of right. referring. You know, <laughs> just stick to your guns, Doug. Come on. Be yeah. better, Doug. Exactly. Be better. So, exactly. Haas, a couple more questions for you. The first one we had talked about earlier the Eagles have two games leading up into the bye, one at Buffalo and one home against Chicago that Mike and I'll be in attendance for. What do you think going into the bye? What do you think is going to be? their record as they head into the bye. They're at three and four now. They got two games to go before the bye. What realistically as a fan, what do you think their record's gonna be? I, I honestly think they're gonna win both games. So do Mike and I. <laughs> now now what now for it you seems now, pretty now, obvious. Real quick, though, like right? for you, because both of us said like that's not based on anything rational. Like yeah. for you, what is that based on? Nothing rational. Yeah. Yeah, literally. It's just a feeling. It's just like they can't be this bad. And yeah, and, 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 maybe and, and I maybe think that's that, the name and, of this podcast. You, I yeah, agree. Right. And you think you think you know, they go to Green Bay. They have no shot to win in Green Bay. They show up. You know, then they don't show up for two weeks after that. Yeah. And now they're the backs are up against the wall. And the whole, you know, no one likes us. We um, don't care. Underdog. Right. You know, all that stuff starts to come Doug's creep, at his creep best back in, in these again. Situations. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, you know, Buffalo's not going to be easy. I mean, the good news is, is that, you know, Allen turns the ball over, you know, every other possession. And, but their defense is, is huge. Legit. You know? They're legit. And it's a tough place to play. So it's, gonna, it's not going to be easy. But if they, win, if they win Sunday, there's no way they're losing to the Bears next week. And the, no the Bears way. seem to be... Absolutely honestly, not. Bears, I think we, we can... Go ahead. Uh, no, we, can we, we have the Bears number. Yes. Especially after what we uh, saw went down last season. Nagy is the coach of the Bears? Yep. I don't think he's a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> he's a local guy. He, he's a likable guy, but I don't, I don't think he's The Bears are, are kind of struggling with a similar thing, although to a different extent, I think, than the Eagles are because they really they started the year and they looked like they were going to be a good team, and they've since been in a sort of free fall. And, and I think their situation is different in that their quarterback looks like and like they have a hell the of a defense as well. Number two overall. Um, but say they have a good defense, you said? Uh, yeah. They do have a good defense, but it's not enough. And, I, you know, something that a friend of ours asked us to ask on the podcast tonight is, are the Eagles going to have to win every game in a shootout because of their defense this year? They may. They may. I mean, they but may. is that going to mean 40-plus points? That's not really realistic game in and game out for no, this team. No, it's, it's not. And, and you hope that the – because at the same time, we're hoping for all these things to happen on the offense, for them to figure out Sanders and Howard and, and, and Carson to – I mean, it feels like this year he's – intentionally not throwing to Ertz because he all he did last year was throw to Ertz. And I'm like, just throw it to Ertz. You know? It's it's too little Ertz. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like so I, I just so and, and it, it, in a, in addition to that though, I, I think over you know the past several years, especially since Jim Schwartz has been here, the Eagles defense during certain during seasons has been really frustrating. But the one thing that they've been good at is preventing touchdowns. Yep. They, they allow long drives, but ultimately when it gets into the red zone, they don't let that score happen. They're still top and, 10. I want to see even top five. For and if red the zone Eagles defense. can even gather that little bit of extra uh, juice on the, on the defensive side of the ball to prevent more touchdowns from happening, then, then no, we won't have to score 40 points a game, maybe, maybe, maybe 30. You know, <laughs> yeah, he couldn't hurt. I mean, but when they're having good games, that is what they're scoring against the Redskins. They scored what was it, thirty-one or thirty-two 
Against uh, Green Bay, they scored 34. Against the Jets, they scored 30. When they're having good games, those are the numbers that they put up. Yeah. So, um, all right, Haas, last thing, man. Uh, what's, what's your prediction for this Sunday? Give us a score and give us your offensive and defensive players of the game. So, score is... This is Eagles at Buffalo, 1 Eagle. o'clock, CBS, I think, probably. CBS, and on the TV truck in Locust Lane's parking lot. And on the TV truck oh, wow. in Locust Lane's <laughs> parking lot. The TV oh. truck will be pulling up. Who's, and who's, the uh, do we know the who truck. the announcers are? On, on CBS? Oh, is it know. the Tessa Tour? Uh, is it that crew? Oh, I don't know. It's, don't it's know. not good. But Haas made a good point. So Locust Lane has these trucks that pull up outside of the brewery. The entire side of the truck is a screen. So come out and check it out. They're really, it's an awesome concept. People can sit outside and check the game out. Uh, and it's a great way to take it in. But yeah, so what's your prediction? So I got uh, the Birds 23, Buffalo 16. I really I like, like, I I like see, that score. I see turnovers. A good score. I see a little bit of, of you know, defensive back and forth a defense kind of gets it together i think on offense i think it's Ertz. i think they finally you know get him get him going you saw a lot of goddard last week which i think buffalo is going to concentrate on because he really hasn't been to Ertz, and i think Ertz is going to have a big game and i think on defense I, I think it's i think it's malcolm jenkins i think after getting trucked last week and just being embarrassed mm-hmm. i think malcolm jenkins comes up either a big strip sack something something huge i think you know schwartz changes some things up you know, gets a little bit more aggressive with, with Jenkins, and I think I see him having a big game on Sunday. 23 to 16. I like that score. That sounds... I like that score very much. Realistic. Let me very ask much. you one, one last thing. Do they score a touchdown in the first quarter? No. Yeah. I mean, that's... It, how much... How much in your <laughs> I'm going to win. I'm, how I'm much, not going overboard. But how much of their issues so far are rooted that in that? How much... Like, if you had to oh, give huge. it a percentage... I mean, it's huge because it puts, I mean, 60%, yeah, almost 70%. At least it's got to it be puts, over 50. Yeah, it puts, it puts so much pressure on the defense, on the rest of the game, on every possession, second quarter on. It's, it's so much. I mean, I see them, a field goal, maybe two in the, in the first quarter, but they're not going to get in the end zone in the first quarter. They're still going to be, you know, the crowd in Buffalo is going to be nuts. They're adjusting to Buffalo's defense, which I think is number one, number two in the league, something like that. I mean, they're, they're stout. Um, but I think they get enough to get on the board. They're not shut out in the first quarter. Uh, and, and, you know, then it's the defensive stop, it's a strip sack, it's a big pick, and, and then they kind of start getting rolling a little bit like they normally do. Ertz has been kind of, like, unusually quiet this year. Yeah. It seems like, I don't know if they're overemphasizing Goddard after underemphasizing him last year or what, what the focus is, but it seems to me like... Mike and I were talking about earlier, if the Eagles are able to get the 5-4, and four, which we both believe they are, who are those linchpin players? And we mentioned Deshaun. We mentioned uh, who else on offense? Uh, I forget who else on offense, but we mentioned Deshaun. We mentioned Jalen Mills on defense. We mentioned Fletcher Cox on defense. Um, as, I, as our core players? Yeah, it's like the players who were really responsible for the – I think Ertz was my guy. I think that's why I brought it up. So It was Ertz. It was Goddard. It was Alshon. To, yeah, become prominent in the offense – the idea of him being such a, a core part last year and, and this year being not a ghost, but I mean, does he have a? T- he has one touchdown, I think this I think year. He has one. And he's yeah. had some key third down catches, but it seems like well, I'm having this feeling last last year where it's like there's Ertz again, there's Ertz again, and it's this year it's like oh, there's Zach Ertz. Like it, it's it's not until the third quarter last week against Dallas that he has a catch. Yeah, I mean that's really nothing in the first uncharacteristic yeah. and. We were talking earlier about the identity of the Eagles and that that was, right. at least for last year in their Super Bowl year, a huge part of their identity. And that right now, both of us are like, what is, and, what is their identity? Uh, uh, again, I, I almost think it's something to do with Carson. I think that, uh, that he heard 
and thought maybe some of that blowback he was getting was that all he wasn't looking at his receivers. He was, so he's trying to make Alshon happy. He's trying to you know, not be as predictable and not go to Earths all the time. See, I think it goes even higher than Carson. I think it goes on Doug because I really think it's... Carson just doesn't look like he's settling into the right rhythm. He seems like the player who's got all that's, the... That's well said. All the, all the capabilities to make all the throws and um, be, be, be an amazing player in this league. But Doug ultimately doesn't seem to be there seems to be like a lack of creativity it, week after week we're just calling a play where you're just like Doug why'd you do that defense was coming for it um, and not aggressive at the same time like we you if, know right we've been used to that. that that's what we've gotten accustomed to is him setting the bar of being aggressive being creative I mean the guy ran on a fourth and one the best trick play anybody's ever seen, like in the Super Bowl. Like to me, that where did that where did that go? Where's that magic? It, the did that leave with Frank Reich? Is that Frank Reich? Yes, <laughs> I think it did too. Yes. Frank Reich may be no, the I second mean, best coach the, in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you always talk about the you know the answer to these problems or any problem is usually the most obvious answer. The most obvious answer is that Frank Reich is not around anymore. So I, I think that's a big part of it, and I also think you know, and then Doug. The fake field goal in Minnesota. Like, what, are, seriously? That was the worst call I, I think <laughs> Doug's made since being a head coach. It's unbelievable. You know, like he had things, and now like, what's going on? So I agree. I think that I think that Doug is part of it, but I, I really, th I mean, I think Carson is more sensitive than than people want to let on, and he knows what's going on out there. He knows what the chatter is about him, and that worries me a little bit. In the long term, because you what know, is he, 26? he's a 26 year old quarterback yeah. in there Philadelphia. There is something about North his Dakota. personality that yeah. makes you just wonder a little bit. Are you listening too much to what the exactly what the are noise you too is sensitive? Saying? Yeah, yeah. Are you sensitive. too worried about what the noise is talking about and right. not just focused on playing your game? You know, with the players you got. Well, and I even and it might not even it's not even really the 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 noise from social media or from the media itself. It's I think that the, the thing that's hurt him the most is two years now of players anonymously going behind his back. Two years of it, and yeah. he's he tried to fix it last year and it's not fixed. So there's still this sense that it's not he's not the leader of the team, and there's all these questions about him and this Foles thing that's going on. He's got to get past it. He's got to. He's he got does. to turn and I think, it off. I, and I don't know what it's going to take for that to actually happen. I mean, to actualize that, but that is core. And I think for him to come up upon this early in his career, like we said, he's a 26-year-old quarterback playing in Philadelphia. That's a difficult task just on the surface. If you're not talented, he's extremely talented. So the hope is that he can couple the talent that he has with a little bit of. Uh, understanding to block things out. I think that's what Mike is really saying, to be able to block some of these things out and say, look, I can't make everybody happy. That's not realistic. Yeah. What's realistic is to say, yeah. look, I'm going to do the best I can to, to get the ball around. The thing I want to see most from Carson, get rid of the ball, dude. Oh, get yeah. rid of the ball. There are times where I watch him and I watch other offenses, I watch other quarterbacks, and I think about our D-line, I'm like, get him already. And that Carson has all this time and still winds up getting sacked, still winds up having to throw the ball away. I don't know if it's not being satisfied with the check down. I don't know what the situation is. But to me, be productive. Your main goal should just be to be productive. And I think his main goal is like a like a cleanup hitter. He's just trying to hit a home run. He's just trying to yeah. just completely destroy the ball. And I think 
it's one of these things where if you do that over and over again, you're going to wind up swinging and missing. I mean, usually the biggest sluggers in the MLB are also some of the biggest strikeouts. So, Absolutely you know, right. I think that that pays dividends. But to, to me, if he can get rid of the ball a little bit sooner and be making these reads a little bit quicker, he seems to me to be able to run tempo in, a, in an elite level. And so, where's that been? But exactly. But I think if he's, <laughs> yeah. making those, if he's making those quick reads, if he's able to get to a place where he's making quick reads and getting the ball out of his hand, he can run tempo. It's like he's kind of getting in his own way almost. Yeah, and I think that that's part of the – I mean, his target, a lot of those tempo plays, was Ertz. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he's not running, you know, fly patterns down the field. He's running those crosses or the quick hitches or double things coverage. like that in double coverage. But he's making those reads and getting the ball out to Ertz, and that's yes. why he all of a sudden you, you turn around in the third quarter and he's got eight catches. And that's when that tempo offense is happening, you know? And so. I think that they, they need to be able to set things up and then lean on the run game. You and I have discussed this before, but to be able to create a dynamic that they can pass the ball. Because the thing is, defense is known now. Their average, the Eagles' average, um, is like 5.6 yards or something like that, average oh. reception. So, you know, defenses know it. They know that they're not threatened by it. They know they don't have to react to it. They know that they can play off it and that it won't cause that much damage. So... They need to create a dynamic where they're, they're changing the minds of the defense or at least making them think twice. But we're going to um, – I think we're probably going to wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, uh, yeah, to bring it back to your, your point. Uh, yeah. Um, I'd like to hear your prediction for this game. Uh, I like, maybe honestly, an it's, it's kind of hard after Haas. It's hard to follow you. Haas here because I think 23-16 to 16 for me just like sounds really clear. For me, I, I actually think it's going to be a little bit closer. I think the Eagles – Are you just going samesies? No. Yeah. The Eagles, I think, I think the Eagles, I think, I think in particular Carson Wentz goes for over 250 yards. I think he has a major bounce back game. I think he rushes for a touchdown. I think the Eagles wind up winning 27-21. Okay. Okay. 27-21. I also think that Fletcher Cox, player? Fletcher Cox has a strip sack in this game. Wow. I see that kind of play, and I think it's needed. I think it's I think he's due for a breakout game. He eight games he in. And he's yeah. really been, he, he's been making his presence well-known the past couple games and you without just making that impactful play. You haven't heard his name. I think that's part of it. When you watch the Eagles, you're used to hearing, and D-Tackle is not a player you hear their name all the time. Fletcher Cox for sure. years was a player, constantly they'd be like, man, this guy Fletcher Cox is unbelievable. This year, we really haven't heard his name very much. So clearly he's injured, and now he is literally, uh, they just signed, what, two guys, I think, at D-Tackle, but he's literally the only experienced D-tackle on the team because they've had oh. so many injuries there. So yeah. it would be great for him to be able to, to step up. But that's what I see. How about you? I'm going to go 24 14. 24 14? Wow. What? So that's a much win. So how do you see this playing out? Do you see a first uh, quarter touchdown? I do. You do? Okay. Two Ertz? Is Deshaun back this game? No. No. Then let me revise my whole uh, <laughs> approach to this real quick. Now, he hasn't been, I don't think, officially ruled out because there's He's a press been. conference tomorrow, but there's, there's just such a low likelihood. I'm, I'm at a point because now. Because as soon as Deshaun comes back, he's going to probably. My hope is you and I can see him next week, but I don't even think that's going to happen. I think, I think what's going to happen is they're going to wait. The they're going to give him the bye. Yeah. That, that situation has really developed into he's gonna quite a nuisance. The Eagles come off the bye to play the Patriots at home and the Seahawks at home. It would be great to have Deshaun for both of those games. So if it takes waiting until then, I, I can live with that. I'm on board. But what's, yeah, what's your prediction, Michael? Still 24-14. <laughs> Sticking with <laughs> it. <laughs> Sticking with it. Uh, Jake Elliott hits a, hits a field goal on the first drive of the Eagles. Uh, okay. So they drive stall and he hits a field goal yeah. to start it. Okay. Um, okay. On the defensive side of the ball, 
I'm going with Jalen Mills. I like, I like the spunk. I like the attitude he brings to the defense, and I think he has an interception this game. That interception last game against Dak was all, it did, like I said, at the point in the game, it didn't even matter, but it, just to see a little bit of juice was like, thank you, at least that for something, nice. some that little point nice. of pride. Yeah, and he, is, is Jalen Mills the best corner on the Eagles? Currently. Yeah. <laughs> How do you dispute that? I mean, it's, it, it's crazy because as, as you know, like the, the way that being an Eagles fan and listening to the talk is a year ago, we were crucifying the man. Big and time. now it's just like, please come back on the field. Yo. Just please stay healthy. Like, we really miss that. And Chris and I were talking a lot about... You don't know what you got till it's gone. Well... Yeah, it's true. We, we have missed Jalen Mills a lot. So, you know, we welcome you back, Jalen. We're sorry. Green Goblin. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. All right. Well, we appreciate Logos Lane hosting us tonight. Uh, we are going to sign off. Thank you. We're going to sign off. Uh, <laughs> for the night, we're going to say go birds. And we're all seeing a win this Sunday. We're all seeing the birds being five and four after uh, these next two games against Buffalo and Chicago. Uh, and let's hope they're going into the bye at five and four. We need it. Go birds. Go birds.